Welcome to Virtual Church. 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 Well, hi, good morning. Thank you for joining us for our virtual church service from wherever you are. You're very welcome. Great to have you with us. Um, I trust that you're being blessed in your time of fasting and prayer. Um, and if you've been using the fasting calendar, I hope you've been inspired by that. And uh, this, uh, this is us going into week three of the fast. And uh, we've just completed week two. And the, th the, the focus was on love. Love for God. Um, love for the Bible. Love for his word. Love for our community. Love for our enemies. Um, love for our family. Love for his church. And um, last but not least, love for prayer. And um, that's really one of the most important ones to learn to fall in love with prayer again. I think a lot of people have a on and off relationship with prayer. Um, but as we press in, um, I believe that um, we can learn to love prayer time again. And it is so vital in these days. So um, stay strong. And uh, Linda and I are praying for you as our Pastor Bernie and Nan praying for you all. Um, I know that people in the church are praying for one another. We're so thankful. You know, we count our blessings to have a church family, friends um, that um, support and love one another. We miss you all, but we're so grateful for you all. Um, I mean that. And uh, I want to read a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. Everyone will know this is the love chapter. And now abide faith, hope and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And I love that because I know that uh, love is the greatest one because when we are in glory, when, when we get to heaven by the grace of God, we won't need faith there because we'll be there. All our hopes will be uh, realized when we're there so we won't need that either but one thing we will still need is love so love endures it's eternal binds us all together while we're talking about love there are two incredibly powerful and totally opposed motivating forces operating in the world today um, and you might think I'm just about to say good and evil. And sure, yes, uh, that's true. But I'm going to say love 
and hatred. Um, and the reason I say that is because these conditions of the heart, love and hate, they seed the rest of our lives. Um, they seed our thoughts, they seed our words and our actions. And, you know, there might be some people saying, well, listen, just calm down a minute. You know, there are plenty of less extreme positions in between extreme love and extreme hate. You know, you can just go with the flow, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'll love the way I want to love and I don't really hate anyone. I'm just going to, I'm kind of indifferent to all of that. I don't get my, too mired up in things and keep myself to myself. Well, what I'd like to say, be that as it may, you are going to be touched by these forces either directly or indirectly throughout your life, love and hate. And if we believe that God's word is true, then love is a law. And God's laws have statutes, they have boundaries, and they exist to provide us with protection and security. Amen. So living and functioning out of love was and still is God's intention for his people, you know, for him to love and to be loved by us. Hallelujah. And hatred in and of itself is also subject to a law. Um, the, the law of that which a man sows, that shall he also reap. And along with that, um, hatred opens up the door to every evil and curse and sickness and disease. There is hatred destroys people's lives. And if you're listening today and you don't know much about the God of the Bible, then I want to say to you that according to his word, he has declared his love for you. He's declared his love for you. Same way as he declared his love for me. And I discovered that um, at around about the age of 10. And so he's declared his love for you. He's made the ultimate sacrifice for you so that he could be known by you personally. Um, and he does already know who you are. <laughs> And he's prepared a place for you in his kingdom. He knows you and he knows your name. And you are worth the life of his son, Jesus Christ. So he knows you. So um, love is the, the word talks about the royal law of love, but the love is the source of, of good. Now, there are lots of motivations to do good things. Um, but love, if we do, if our, if we do good out of love, a heart of love, that is incredibly powerful. You know, as people, I believe there's much that we can endure and there's a lot of things we can go through and get through if we only have the knowledge that we're loved. If we know that someone has love for us, compassion for us and affection for us and greater still, that there's a God in heaven that loves us and that feels the same way um, about us, then we can keep the flame of hope and optimism alive in our lives. That's all it takes to be able to get through some of the worst situations that we'll ever face, face is knowing that someone loves us. And even more so, there's a God that loves us. 
And if we have these same feelings towards others, it has a similarly powerful effect. It enables the ability within us to stand with them, to walk with a right heart towards them. That's, that's a challenge sometimes, to walk with a right heart towards them. It enables us to forgive them, to have grace for them, and to sacrifice for them too. So um, I was thinking about this when I was preparing the message, and this, what I'm going to say now, is my personal opinion. It's what I personally believe. I believe that the lengths that people will go to because of love are greater than the extremes that people will go to because of hate. Sacrificial love will give its all, its everything. Hatred, on the other hand, is selfish. It's unquenchable. And it wants to see the destruction of what is hated, but to preserve its own life. So whoever the hater is, they want to see whatever they're hating on. They want to see it totally annihilated, but they want to glory in that. They want to see that happening. They want to preserve themselves. They'll even sacrifice the lives of those around them to accomplish that aim. And if you look back in history, you can see examples of that where the hatred was so strong. The hater, the, the protagonist, wanted to preserve their own life and would sacrifice their own countrymen in order to achieve what they wanted to achieve. And in these days that we live in, I hold on to that. And I especially pray for the church that what will be manifest is a genuine love. We have got to pray about this um, family for the conquering power of God's love to manifest itself in our lives, in our churches and in our communities. Because there's no doubt we're still living in a world that's beset by deep issues, deep uh, problems, complicated problems and, and um, gulfs, divisions, rifts. That's the world that we're living in right now. The word says that we live in a, wor a world where good will be called evil and evil will be called good. Now there's no doubt, and this hasn't changed since man kind decided to assume power over their own destiny by choosing to disobey God's instructions, okay? There's no doubt that countless numbers of people um, live with physical and mental and spiritual pain. And all of us as a global population are living in a deeply troubled world environment right now. And uh, as a result of choices that we've made as men, as women in the past. And we know the consequences of living during these times all sorts of, um, the onset of all sorts of maladies and problems um, because of the times and the peculiarities of the world we live in. Hopelessness, depression, sadness, uh, stress, loneliness, sickness, then huge rifts in ideology and in culture. And the question we might ask is, how can people the vast majority of the world's population, how can they possibly thrive in the environment we live in today? 
with all of its troubles, with all of its pain, with all of its difficulty. And if we look around us, even in our own towns, we see the effect of, of sadness and depression, uh, low mood, low self-esteem, no self-worth, and all of these things. And so I want to go to God's word. I want to talk about a man, a great man, a great example of someone who not only endured terrible things in terrible times, but actually he thrived in them. And it was the Apostle Paul. Paul writes a letter to the Philippians in Rome um, at about the same time that the emperor called Nero, he was feeding believers to the lions and he was um, burning Christians at the stake to provide light for his parties. It was evil. It was just terrible, horrific. How could, you know, in that environment, how could anyone have joy, especially the believers? How could they thrive, have joy and, 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 and have anything to look forward to with this constant um, cloud hanging hanging over them, not to, not to mention probably the fear that the people that he governed were under all the time. Think about these things in, in, in line with where, with where we are now. And I can sometimes, you know, imagine myself complaining to Paul about how tough life is just now. And imagine him looking back at me, you know, hold my coffee. Yeah, and he's, he's going to tell me his story and what he's dealing with. And he's, he's like, well, well, welcome to my world, you know. And that little exercise of the heart usually helps to bring back the correct perspective. And I'm not diminishing the, the awful situation that we're living in just now. What I'm saying is that there's a better way to live through the times which, which are ahead and which will be worse, but not necessarily for us. Amen. <laughs> it will be worse, but not necessarily for us. It may look like Christianity is getting weaker. Um, it may look like the church is becoming totally irrelevant, but the greater the darkness, the more piercing the light will be. And there is strength to draw from every day. I um, want to encourage you with that today. There is strength to draw from, and all we need to do is draw from the well, the wells of salvation. But there's, a, there's, there's, there's that living water that we have, that we can drink of. And the joy of our Lord can be our strength and in that case. And in a few moments, I'll mention how important that is in relation to unity because the message is about unity this morning. In just a moment, we'll get there. But life shows us that God can take even the darkest moment in history and turn it around and turn it into good because of Jesus. Amen. He shows us that external circumstances don't have to be the dominator of our internal condition. And it's our internal condition that's under severe pressure and attack. Amen. You know, we can have peace, we can have joy. And the way that Paul communicates it is this, even if you're on your own and you're in chains, which he was, and there's chains now, chains of addiction, chains of all sorts of bondages, there is someone who loves you. Just get into relationship with Jesus Christ, the, the risen Lord. And the pain and the suffering which we face, uh, the pain and su suffering, right, which we face, which 
let's face it, is not in short supply in the world today will be as nothing compared to the promise that's in Jesus in the future. You know, even death and the fear of death, Paul conquered. He made friends with death because he says, um, well, you know, when that time comes, it's going to, I'm just going to go into glory. I'm just going to be with Jesus. What a great, I'm looking forward to that because, you know, so even the death and the fear of death are conquered because what you have to look forward to beyond the here and the now is the real and living presence of Jesus Christ face to face. That's what we have. Amen. 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 And praise God. Um, the, the title of this message today is Together in One Accord, and we'll just go a little bit longer. Um, I'd like you to read uh, the book of Philippians this week. It's a short book, uh, four chapters, and you'll discover that there's um, an appeal here to, to the people to be as one, to be united. And so Paul's writing to his, his favorite people, or one of his favorite people groups, <laughs> the Philippians. And I'd like to start by reading the scripture in Matthew 2. Matthew 22, from verse 37 in the New King James, it says, Jesus said to him, you shall love, you shall love, that's agape love, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Now, what I want to ask you today is, was Jesus speaking to just one individual here? Um, was it just to this lawyer of the Pharisees? If not, then who is you referring to? Well, the you I believe uh, this is referring to is anyone who considers themselves in covenant with the Lord, believers. And what we can see here is this. This is a red letter commandment. I love saying that. It's a red letter commandment. The red letters are the words that Jesus spoke. So Jesus issues this commandment, right? Jesus himself speaking. And we know it's a commandment because of the use of one word there, shall, S-H-A-L-L, -L, shall. And as such, it applies to every believer. And it says to love out of three areas, three areas which are common to all of us, every single one. Number one, heart, the center of our being, the place where we make choices of our own volition, where the, tr the true me abides there. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, uh, speaks according to Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Read that quickly in the, uh, from the NLT. It says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. It's almost like the, our hearts are the vaults of what is most special to us. A treasury. What, what, where do you keep your treasures? The, in the, where, where in your heart of hearts is where you, what you treasure most is that's what you'll keep there in your heart. And then there's the soul, the seat of our feelings, desires, our affections, the things we don't like, our aversions. And then there's the mind, which is the seat of our understanding, uh, where we um, reason, where our intellect is. Amen. And we can also see here another truth if you go to verse 39, that some people try to escape. And that is 
um, the second part of that commandment, that we all have neighbors. And uh, neighbors are common to us all too. Some people might try and get away from that. But an, a neighbor is someone who's simply nearby. Um, that's what Christ taught is, is any other man, irrespective of his race, irrespective of his religion, anyone with whom we live or whom we are near to or whom we have the chance to meet is a neighbor. Amen. So we're reading this here and we're like, well, there's nothing here to exempt any believer from these two vital instructions. And I don't get special treatment. I don't get to hate my neighbor because I had a previously bad neighbor experience, which was probably much worse than anything you've ever had to deal with. I don't get let off. I don't get to say, listen, uh, no one has ever been treated as badly as I've been treated. And so now I'm excused from having to walk this love walk thing. No, we're all called to the same thing. All of us, those three areas are common to all of us. So I'd like to pop a question to um, us now that we can think on, which I hope will bear some relevance um, to present times. The question is, what is your perspective of the church right now? Never mind of the world. What is your perspective of the church right now? I'd like to ask you, is the church beautiful to you? You know, we see the faults and we see the imperfections and the blemishes, the gossip, the division and the disagreements. I see mistrust, paranoia, blame, judgment, and a lot of imploding going on in the church, never mind the world. And I, I, had, I have to repent, actually, this week I was, during my research, I came across some articles on the internet that were, that were um, assaulting the character of other Christian ministers. And for a moment, I gave some mind to it and some of my heart to it. And since then, I've felt so bad about it. Um, it's not my place to judge anyone. We have to love the church. The church is beautiful. How beautiful do we think it is? So we see all of this going on. What do you think God's perspective is? Because God sees all the same stuff that we see, but he sees more. He sees the church cleansed and made holy by his son, Jesus. He sees the church ascending, going up to heaven to meet Jesus in the clouds. Amen. He sees us, the church, wearing the spotless gown of Jesus Christ. That's how God sees things. He tells us, I'm not coming back for more than one church. I'm just coming back for one. Not more than one, just one. And if we want to achieve this, we have a work to do in ourselves. And the only way I know that we can do this work within ourselves is with the help of the Holy Spirit. And then we have to work together. And if you take some time to read 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter seen that hardships and persecution had scattered believers, okay? And when believers are scattered, the witness is scattered along with it. And even some of the believers wondered if God had just abandoned them. Hardships came, persecutions came and scattered them. And these circumstances that we, we are living through just now have had a scattering effect 
We've been spiritually scattered in a sense, if you think about it. And damage has, real damage has been done through the situation that we're in. But read what Peter's encouragement to them says. From the NLT, I want to read in 1 Peter 3 from verse 8. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with one another. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Praise the Lord. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. Get that one. Get that one. His ears are open to the prayers of those who do right. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So, amen. Thank God for that. He advises Christians to be all of one mind, to be unanimous in the belief of the same faith in Jesus Christ. Be unanimous and the practice and practice the same duties of religion that we're called to. Amen. You know, though we don't all have exactly the same mind, okay, we should still have compassion one for another and love one another as, our, as brethren, okay? Not persecuting or hating one another because you have a different view or opinion, but loving one another with, with an affection that is an example to the world. It's an uncommon affection, amen? You know, we don't all reason the same way. Sometimes my logic is different to Linda's logic, <laughs> all right? But we shouldn't end up in a divorce court because of it. So when it talks about the mind, it's where we reason, where we apply logic, okay? But what about this word sympathize? Which means, which we remember comes from the word symphony, okay? Something that, a symphony is something that, that, that I believe sounds good. It, the definition is of one mind, of one accord, to be, to be in sympathy, sympathize. It means... To, to sympathize with someone else means to be closely identified with them, to be closely united in our souls together. You know, we share the same identity because we're all in Christ. Amen. And in Ephesians 4, we read about something that Paul really labored for, to bring unity between different cultures. Paul was laboring. He wants to bring, he wants to unify the Jews and the Gentiles and, and he defended in, in, in all his teaching the need for a unified lifestyle, a God-honoring lifestyle. And you can read that in Ephesians chapter 4. And this is from the New Century Version. Uh, Ephesians 4 
um, verse 1, I am in prison because I belong to the Lord. Therefore, I urge you who have been chosen by God to live up to the life to which God called you. Always be humble, gentle and patient, accepting each other in love. You are joined together with peace through the Spirit, so make every effort to continue together in this way. Amen. Just break for a note there. You know, the, the essence of peace, all right, is, you know, being joined together with peace. It's not only that strife and being hostile towards one another would, would end or cease, but it's that separation would end and unity would take the place of separation, okay? So I'm sure that we'd agree that we, we can get disheartened because we don't see, as the word says there, every effort to continue together. Too many of us are inclined to journey onwards apart from one another, but we must journey together. Amen. Make every effort to continue together in this way. You know, and it goes on to say, there is one body and one spirit and God called you to have one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is one God and father of everything. He rules everything and is everywhere and is in everything. Amen. If I scroll down there, let me see, let's go down to... Um, uh, let's go down to verse 12. Christ gave those gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving, to make the body of Christ stronger. This work must continue until we are all joined together in the same faith and in the same knowledge of the Son of God. We must become like a mature person, growing until we become like Christ and have his perfection. Amen. You know, if I re reiterate verse 12 and 13, prepare his holy people for the work of serving to make the body of Christ stronger. Okay. And this work must continue until we're all joined together in the same faith. Okay. We're going to read in Philippians just now, but one of the, the byproducts of being in fellowship together is joy. All right. Not just having fellowship for fellowship's sake, but fellowship around a purpose. And the Philippians were excellent at this. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from this first day until now, it meant a great deal to Paul. He was incredibly thankful for them and their partnership because they supplied a lot of his material and financial needs and it was that them doing that was just an outward expression of the spirit, the, 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 the same spirit they had for the fellowship. And you can read Philippians 2 verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like minded. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Amen. You know, this passage here is talking about in a word in the Greek, 
um, when we're talking about being like-minded, one mind of one accord, and 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 it's a Greek word um, for nail, and it's it's talking about to have understanding, to think in a certain way. It's to direct one's mind towards understanding something in a thinking and a caring way. It's about directing one mind, one's mind towards seeking and striving for agreement and oneness, not crossing one another and not thwarting uh, one another or thwarting things, not driving on in separate interests, but it talks about unanimously agreeing in the things of the Lord and keeping the unity of the Spirit in other differences, because there are differences. We're not saying there's not differences, but it's talking about keeping the unity of the Spirit. It's to be of the same mind, to agree together and to cherish the same views. That might be a bit more of a challenge for people, but to get to a place where we cherish the same views and so that we are in harmony with each other, where we take the same side, we are on the same side. Well, we should be. <laughs> We're on the victor side. We're on Jesus' side. It's to be intent on promoting what God's will is for us as the church, specifically his commission to us to, to save the lost. You know, um, once again, in the space of just a few weeks, in this new year, these words have, been, have kept reappearing. Harmony, symphony, being of one voice. And I was sent a great video clip this week, which you can link to in the notes, which reminds us that God created us to be in harmony with him and with one another. So we'll put that in the notes underneath. He created us to be in harmony. He created us to um, have resonance with each other not dissonance, okay? He created us to resonate, okay? So when something is dissonant, it cancels out other frequencies and sounds terrible. When we resonate together, being of one mind, cherish, cherishing the same things and the same views, and we can, that is a work, but we can do it with the Holy Spirit. When we resonate together, it amplifies and it strengthens and it produces an enduring sound, amen? And when things resonate at the same frequency, they keep each other going. It's a very interesting subject. Some of you might remember that Pastor Tom taught a little bit on this quantum physics aspect of it years ago, talking about quarks and diff the, the effects of sound, which is we know why it's sound. What we speak and what we say is so important. So it's an interesting subject and its origins are with God. You know, God created all of these principles that, that govern the universe and that is one of them, that principle of sound and resonance and the power of speaking the same thing. And I'd like to, I know that there's so many different views out there just now with regards to this pandemic, 
the restrictions, what we should or shouldn't be doing. I've had all sorts of communications over weeks and weeks, um, bringing these things up, challenging them and all of this. And what I'm saying is we can be of one mind. We are all different. We all are unique in God's eyes. He's given us all a unique personality. He's given, given us all a mind with strengths in different areas, people that are creative, people that are logic. And although things look different, the important thing is that we resonate with one another. And I'm going to try and finish this message off with an illustration by using my guitar, which I haven't picked up for so long and I'm, I'm missing it a great deal. Um, but here's the point. The point is that this guitar has six strings and they all have different characteristics. They're all different widths and they are different gauges and they are all under different tension, these guitar strings. But if I pluck an E chord on this string, you'll hear hopefully this E chord. If I pluck the same chord, uh, uh, sorry, an E note on the bottom string, it sounds the same, although the string has different characteristics. If I pluck my E chord, an E note here, okay, it's on a different string in a different place. And then I can also pluck it here, okay, a different string in a different place. And I can pluck it here, all right, different string in a different place. And right there, just finishing it off with a wee harmonic right at the end. That, all of those sounds, all of those notes came from different places, but they resonated together. They made the same sound. Church, when we resonate together and we make the same sound, we have one voice. And we walk the love walk with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The church is going to um, experience great things, great re revival, see people coming to the Lord, see us, all of us, being truly united. All we need to do is remember that God created us in his image and his likeness. Let's not be clanging cymbals and noisy vessels. Sometimes it's best not to speak if you don't have anything to say, but when we do to remember that let us speak with one voice, let's resonate together. I'm praying for grace, I'm praying for um, mercy, I'm praying for joy, um, for all of those things as the message says today, as we work together, amen, as we work together. So, Father God, we thank you according to your word in Psalms 89 that blessed are the people who know the joyful sound as we begin to reverberate together, resonate together, make the same sound together. We thank you for the joy that rises up from that, Father God. As we do that, Lord, that we will walk in the light of your countenance, the light of your word every single day, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that we will, as they did, rejoice all day long. No matter what afflictions or tests come against us, we will rejoice all day long, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that you are our Lord. Father, you are our um, uh, 
El Shaddai, God Almighty, and we pray that in these days, the church will not be silent, Father God. We will not be silenced. We will not hide out of fear or despair. But Father God, we will speak your word, Lord God, and we will speak against the fear in this land. Father God, we will counter it with faith, with words and with songs of victory, Lord God, that build up our faith and encourage each other in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for uh, being with us for this word today. We love you. Um, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.